Welcome to Pitchside Perspective Podcast with your hosts Stuart Sharples and Jack Kolazar. Hi everyone, welcome to episode one of the Pitchside Perspective Podcast. My name is Stuart and every week I'll be joined by my good friend Jack. As the name mentions, we will be sharing our perspective on the current happenings in football, as well as the potential for guests to join us on each episode to share their opinions. As well as talking about football, each week we'll have a, a beer in hand. Uh, this week, uh, I've got my own stew brew, so to speak. Um, it's a summer ale. Uh, Jack, what about you? What are we drinking this week? I have a Victory Motel Paloma, so a Victory Brewery in Pennsylvania, one of my favourites. I've got the Motel Paloma, which is part of their season pass series, just a, a special they've got out right now. It's a grapefruit summer ale. It's pretty good. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I've had it once before, but it's perfect for the summer. Nice. I'm sure after a few of those, you feel it always with those uh, those victory breweries. You'll have uh, you'll have a few and you'll be feeling them. Yeah, I can only have one or two. I've got a seven aside tonight, so rolling back the years. Yeah, right. rolling back the years and rolling ankles. Yeah, don't roll your ankle like you have done before. Let's just get you through uh, through the game fit and healthy. Um, so, yeah, first week of uh, Premier League happened. Uh, what were your thoughts on the opening weekend? Uh, not too many surprises, really, in terms of results, I don't think. Um, probably the one slightly surprising one would be the Newcastle-Aston Villa match. I think Newcastle were favourites playing at home. But the way they kind of dispatched Aston Villa um, with the ease that they did, I think, was was somewhat surprising. Um, and perhaps the other surprising, again, Manchester United winning, which was expected, but performance-wise, surprising. Probably somewhat disappointing for Manchester United fans out there like yourself. Uh, but otherwise, results, I thought, was um, probably close to what you would expect predicting the results before the game's begun. Yeah, as you said there, being a, a Man United fan, it I was kind of going in with the assumption of it being like a 2-0 a or even a 3-1 game. But honestly, I think we were very lucky to come through winning that game with three points, especially with uh, Anana coming out at the end and uh, giving a bit of a, a WWE wrestling match uh, on show, taking out two players. God knows how they haven't put that back. Yeah, well, you know, he's taken the first weekend of games to happen and already we've had an apology from the refereeing uh, apology group. and a and a, uh, a suspension for the referees they're out for this weekend yep no games this weekend for those guys it was a bit of an odd decision my only thought on it you know where you could justify it a little bit is if it's a centre back with their eyes on the ball going to win the header and there's a class of heads would the official give a penalty I'm not sure if that comes into it or not but um, yeah, goalkeepers do seem to get away with a lot. Uh, very well protected. And then also on the other side of things, you know, they come out and they take everybody with them. Yeah, I think uh, I think Anan has been his, uh, his debut. He's wanting to impress. And I don't think he saw too much action. So I think it's almost one of those. He's coming out and he's wanting to, to be the hero. But I think he's soon uh, going to learn how the Premier League is in this uh, a very physical league. Uh, yeah, when you compare that performance to say Man City, I you know I was watching the Burnley Man City game, and you know at times Burnley pressed and they looked 
to get into good areas in and around the box without creating too much. But it was almost uh, it's almost boring to watch at times with Man City the way they possess the ball with such ease. Um, yeah, that's why I've kind of always liked, as much as it hates for me to say it, but like the way Liverpool kind of attacked and that high pressure and high directness from them, they were just maybe a little bit more entertaining than watching City. Although you've got to take your hat off to Pep Guardiola, how he's revolutionised the game. Now you see every team playing out from the back and the high press and the, the words tick attacker has kind of come from him. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It's, it can be quite dull to watch at times, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to go into our season predictions. We have the advantage, obviously, of seeing week one, which um, could, I don't know if it changed any of your opinions just because of one game. I didn't change mine too much, just over one match. But I guess we had a little bit of a, an advantage being able to see week one before making our predictions. Yeah, so episode one, today's uh, today's podcast is going to be uh, all of our predictions for the season. Um, as Jack mentions, we're, we kind of got a little bit of advantage. But again, just like my fantasy team, you put players in like John Stones and they don't play. So everything still is uh, a little bit of a mystery. Um but we're going to go through um, different predictions of the season. And then hopefully when we come back at the end of the season in May, we can kind of come back and see uh, probably how wrong we were. Um, so, yeah, just to start off with, um, I think we're going to start top to bottom. So let's start off then, Jack, with uh, with what we think our top four is going to be. Yeah, uh, it's hard to look past Manchester City, really. Um, you know, I understand some people's thoughts on there's a reason why no one's won it four years in a row to constantly, you know, play at that level year in, year out is obviously a huge task. But I really don't think there's been a team like them ever in the Premier League, even going back to the great Manchester United teams of the past. Um, a team is just so... Um, just, just the gap between them and the rest, I think, is, is bigger than any gap we've seen before. I'll tell you what, though, I think obviously we had the advantage now, but you see De Bruyne, I think De Bruyne is out for a couple of months. And if I think if you're missing players like him and you're missing players like Haaland, it does become a different story. And I think if you're an Arsenal fan out there, I think you're you're looking at one of them two picking up injuries here to kind of give you more of a chance. Um, I, like you, have put Man City in, in number one sport. I think you're right. And uh, I think they are the team to stop every year. But... I also think with them doing the treble last year, they've kind of got that stress away. Are they now maybe going to take their foot off the uh, the gas um, and kind of go into it a little bit easy? But saying that, they did just put three past uh, Burnley. Yeah, I don't think Guardiola will allow it. I mean, there's obviously been some changes in the squad already. People leaving, trying to freshen things up a little bit. Obviously, if Haaland was to get injured, it's it's a big blow, but... You know, they've got Alvarez there backing him up. Is Alvarez in the top five strikers in the league, maybe? He has won the World Cup. And he's a backup to Haaland. Oh, I know they both, you know, I think he, I think, and I think Pep's a big fan of him. And I think Pep is searching for a way for them to both be on the field at the same time, um, like we saw against Burnley. Um, but they've got so many options going forward that, yeah, De Bruyne's going to be a big loss, but they've got replacements. My only thing as well, I think you look at Liverpool last year when they lost Mane and the influence Mane was 
Um, and now this year, losing the likes of Gundogan and Mahrez, that that's going to be hard to fill. I mean, I know they had the young fella Cole Palmer coming in, but I still think those two types of players, senior players in the squad, does put a little bit of a doubt in, but not not enough doubt for me uh, or yourself to kind of get Man City out at number one spot. Uh, so with that said, Jack, then who's your who's your second place? Who's your runners up? Uh, I've got an Arsenal. Um, I think the way that they're playing is not, you know, last year it wasn't a fluke. I think the way they're beating teams um, with kind of style and confidence um, and really putting teams away. Um, yeah, I, I'm confident that they'll repeat a similar form to last season and, and come in second place. Yeah, you've got the same as me. I think I think when you ask most people, people are probably looking at Man City and Arsenal as the, the top one and two. Um, it's just whether Arsenal don't bottle it this year and uh, go through because I think there's a little bit of a question mark behind whether they bottled it or not last year. But again, I think the strength of Man City will kind of help Arsenal fans. But yeah, I think like you said, I think Arsenal are just, just behind them. Um, my big issue with Arsenal is... A lack of strikers. I mean, I know uh, Inketia scored last week, but Jesus is is in the hospital every other week. Uh, I don't think you can rely on on Inketia scoring week in week out. Is he really going to get you twenty Premier League goals a season? Um, if I was part of Arsenal, I'd be looking at this last few weeks of the window trying to bring in a, a striker that's going to guarantee you goals, but they're they're hard to come by. Yeah. Um... I agree that the, the striker position is obviously the one that they haven't addressed. At the same time, you know, you mentioned City, maybe the Man City squad is slightly weaker this season compared to last with the, with the players, some of the players that they've lost. And then com- in comparison, Arsenal have strengthened with people like Declan Rice signing. So I'm sure that will even, you know, bolster the confidence in their dressing room even more. But I agree, that striker position is probably the one position they've... Um, they've not addressed, which historically for Arsenal, I think has always been a position they've, has been a strength for them in their lineup. You know, if you think about strikers of the past, like Ian Wright, Van Persie, they've always had that, you know, Thierry Henry, obviously. Um, the striking, that position's always been the one that they've really had high quality at. Um, right now, they look a little bit thin there. Yeah, I think, like you said, you're looking at Arsenal strikers in the past, and Ketty is wearing the same number as Henri, and I think they're in completely two different leagues. Um, but you're right, and I think I think the next two predictions, third and fourth, I think is where we might find a little bit of a different opinion between us. Um, for me, number number three, third place is I'm going a little bit with my heart rather than my head, and I'm putting United in there. Um, I do think we are going to be in the top four. Whether we're going to finish third or fourth, I think can be a little bit of a a question mark up in the air, but I, I'm a believer in Ten Hag. Um, I feel like he has, tur- well, I wouldn't say turn the club around, but I think he's he's starting to turn it. He's starting to pivot. He's bringing in his own players. Um, but for me, we missed a trick not getting Harry Kane. Harry Kane guarantees you goals. Whereas this new fella coming in, Hoyland, he's young, he's fresh, he could be fantastic, but he also could be another Anthony Martial. Martial came in at a similar age, right? And he was he was okay and he was the next prodigy coming through. But again, he's uh, he's not been quite lived up to what he was expected to be. But I, I'm pipped United just to get in there at third place. 
Yeah, it's a little bit ironic, at, you know, when you think about Martial now, unfortunately. Um, your first, the first thing that comes to mind is is injuries above everything else. I think I was at Old Trafford the day where he walked on the field after winning the Young Young World Player of the Year award, right? Golden yep. Boy Award. Um, and he's unfortunately not lived up to that, that potential in hype. I'm sure, you know, a lot of it isn't his fault when it comes to injuries. Are there things that he or, you know, the staff at Man United could have done differently, potentially? But, yeah, Man United, there was, when I was thinking about Man United, I was thinking, could they challenge for first place if, if everything clicks into place perfectly? But at the same time, it feels like on any weekend, they could lose a game. Whereas, whereas a Man City or an Arsenal, they walk into that field and everyone's expecting them to, to get the three points. I don't think Manchester United have that fear factor anymore that those two teams have. I actually went for, in third place, Chelsea. Interesting. Um, obviously, now they've got a top manager in with Pochettino. Lots of talented players. It's a question about can he you know, bring those guys together um, and get them moving together as a team in the right direction. And... I don't think that's probably going to be a. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a. A popular answer. I've gone. What makes Potter well. a top manager? Well, so I don't think he's a top manager in terms of he's going to take a team and win the Premier League. But I think he plays a style of soccer where he's going to win enough matches to get them in the top four. And and it, I think even in the Liverpool match, I think they were the better team. I think when you compare them to other. Clubs, I just see them being more consistent. They've got quality in defence. They've got lots of quality going forward. I think it's going to be a big season for Enzo Fernandez in the middle. I think he's going to be one of the kind of star players of the season in the Premier League. And um, I, 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 to be honest, I think there'll be City and Arsenal, and I think there'll be a gap. And then I think there will be four, maybe five teams really scrapping it out for the for the third and fourth spots. I mean, you'd say about Chelsea coming in in third place, they have to, right? They have to finish in the top four and get in the Champions League based on how much money they've spent. I think I was looking today, I think they've spent £804 million, so probably close to a billion dollars. Surely they have to be in there when, when FFP comes in. If they're not getting the money from Champions League next year, are they going to be struggling? Yeah, I think right now they've been quite intelligent in the way they've spent their money, uh, how they've tried to spread their money out uh, in terms of financial fair play. But yeah, assume if they're not in that top four, then I think then problems will start to appear. It's a bit of a gamble, I guess, by the owners and the money they've spent. Um, still not got a shirt sponsor either, which I don't know how big of an impact that really is now. I keep seeing it's going to be uh, it's going to be put up and put up, but I haven't seen anything. I keep seeing them, and like, I think their first game of the season, right? They had no sponsor on their shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I put me for third place. It's a bit of a bit, maybe it comes from a little bit left field, but I think they're going to sneak in there. I think it's going to be down to the wire between them um, and a few teams below them. Fourth place, I put Newcastle. Obviously, hang on, hang on. You haven't put Man United in the top four. Correct. You're a part Man United fan. You need to be having United in this top four. No, no. I'm a Huddersfield Town fan. Um, I've got Newcastle fourth. I don't. I like I said before. I feel like Manchester United could lose against anyone at any time. 
Interesting. So, so you've put Newcastle in fourth place. I've actually got them a little bit lower. I've I've gone and put Liverpool in fourth place. Um, I think watching them against Chelsea, I thought they looked pretty dangerous on the counter attack. Um, I think Chelsea had better possession of the ball, obviously, but I thought Liverpool did look dangerous. And I think they've upgraded their midfield. I know they've lost Fabinho, Henderson, aging players, let's say. Um, and I think they brought in the one the one player that I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because I'm going to absolutely butcher it, but him. Uh, and they brought in a couple of others. And that McAllister, the, the fella from Brighton, I think he's going to come in and do really well. Um, and I think Liverpool, and I think you can never doubt Klopp. I think Klopp is a genius almost in what he's kind of brought to the game. I think he's maybe just one step below Guardiola in terms of how he's... I mean, we never really heard of this Gigan press and with this the way he types he plays. I think Klopp has brought that to football. And uh yeah, for me, I, I just see them pipping in at, at fourth place. And I just see Newcastle just under them for the only reason I think both Eddie Howe and the club haven't experienced European night for a long time. Um, and you're talking about adding on a good chunk of games to their schedule. Um, which I think, do they have the squad depth to handle that, to handle the games of the Premier League? I know they just blitzed Aston Villa 5-1, but can they handle that and can they handle European nights? Because you know full well, the Toon Army are going to want wins in the Champions League. I think they're going to want them to progress out of that. And as it keeps going, then into February games, I don't know, I just see Newcastle maybe dropping off a little bit this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what's in about Klopp. I think when you look at the money spent, compared to the points he's gained, then you could argue that he's up there with Pep, even if he doesn't have the silverware, which ultimately is the, the real deciding factor. Um, I do think Liverpool are just a little bit thin in their squad. And, you know, you look recently about players choosing to go to Chelsea rather than Liverpool. And what does that what does that say about the situation in the club and in the dressing room? I mean, what a joke that was. Klopp was literally in his press conference announcing it pretty much and then he joined off to Chelsea. Something had to have happened there, surely. Yeah, I mean, uh, so hopefully at some point it kind of comes out and, and someone gives the player an opportunity um, to, to speak about it. But, um, yeah, for me, Liverpool, I think... When, the crazy thing with Liverpool is when you look at their back four as individuals, you, you he's, there's big names there, right? But... As a group, they seem to struggle. They seem to, you know, they seem to look like they're going to concede. It seems quite easy to get the ball into attacking situations against them. Van Dijk, I don't think he had obviously the the great season when Liverpool won the league, but he's never hit those heights since. Overrated. Some people have said he's the greatest centre back of all time in the Premier League. Overrated. Yeah, he's certainly not in the same tier as. You know, an Amanda Vidic, a John Terry. A People Ferdinand. are comparing him to Vidic. Not a chance. He couldn't lace Vidic's boots. No. Um, well, I think the difference... I mean, I think you could take the one season and compare it against other people's one best season. Correct. But over a longer period of time, no. Um, but when you look at Liverpool's front three, I do think Darwin Nunes is going to come good. Um Obviously, you've got Diaz, I think, is very talented. And you got Salah, who guarantees your goals on his side. So, as a front three, I think they're very, very strong. Midfield, we'll wait and see. Defensively, individually, good players. 
talking about Salah, what did you make of him throwing a strop when Klopp subbed him? Are you uh, you liking that, or as a coach, are you not really liking that? Uh, I think it's some. It's it's hard to say that you've got to do it behind closed doors because you know the players have to play with emotion, right? Um, I do think when you're walking off the field, though, it is a choice, and I think these players are intelligent enough to. Conscious, consciously be aware of what they're doing and their actions, and sometimes I do think it's more of a show that they want us, that they want fans and not just their own fans, but other people to see. You know, is that his way of showing that he's not happy with the situation of the club when it comes to losing out on players or not getting the players in that he wants to be playing with? Um, maybe there's more to it. Maybe he's just frustrated and he let it out. I don't know, but personally, I would say it's probably. You know, get off the field, sit down. If you want to have a conversation the following morning about it, have that that conversation. But um, yeah, I don't think it's called. It's not brought any positives to the team, has it? No, definitely not. But uh, yeah, so wrapping up our top four, uh, I've gone for City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool. Um, Jack went for yeah, City, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Newcastle. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think the big one for Newcastle is 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 Isak. What a player! Yeah, I think he can drag them into the top four. And I also think to your point about them playing a lot of games, Champions League and whatnot. If it gets to January, well, I I do think they'll still make one big signing before the transfer window closes, and then I think in January they have the they have the money right if they if things are going. But do they have the money? Everyone yeah. expected Newcastle when the when the ownership took over to be Neymar's and all of these type of players, but I think they have to kind of be careful as well because otherwise, a bit like Chelsea, they go and overspend and they don't make Champions League. They could they could find themselves in trouble. I think I think Eddie Howe's done a really smart job in terms of the players he's brought, like people like Harvey Barnes. Nobody would have guessed Newcastle would be signing Harvey Barnes with the money they have, but I think he gives them something different. Um, it seems like Eddie Howe wants the like the true humble players um, with that a bit of a mixture of like the Tenalis and people like that. So I think credit credit to Eddie Howe. I think he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, well, I think the other thing they have up there with the fans, the city, is just this atmosphere. It's almost like that siege mentality, us against everyone else. The passion they have, and I wouldn't say that's fragile. I think that's always going to be there because of the fans, but. I think you have to get the right type of player that that feeds off that and builds into that, and doesn't just you know you mentioned there like a like a Neymar for example. It's like no, nah, you keep those guys away, bring players in that are gonna really kind of feed off that energy in a positive way. So my my so obviously my then following European spaces, I've gone wrap, wrap through five, six, and seven. Let's see what we've both got. Let's speed that part. Fifth place, United, Man United. Sixth place, Liverpool. And seventh place, Brighton, who I saw pre-season in Philadelphia playing against Chelsea and was very, and I was really impressed with Brighton. That I think in terms of the soccer they play, it was very enjoyable. They were good, right? Watch. I watched them against Newcastle at Red Bull Arena. I thought I was very impressed with them. Yeah, I think if I, if I had to pick a team to go and watch every week, it might be Brighton. Yeah, no, I think uh, I haven't got Brighton in my top seven, um, but I think they are in that that contender for that seventh, eighth spot. Again, I think they kind of determine on uh, the European fixture list. For me, I went with Newcastle fifth, Chelsea sixth, and then 
I've got Villa sneaking in there. I know they had a shocking result against uh, Newcastle at the weekend, 5-1. I don't think anyone predicted that. But I think Unai Emery has done a fantastic job there, considering when Gerard lost his job, they were tipped for relegation, and now they're in Europe. Um and I think he's a, I think he's an underrated manager. But I, I think I'll come on to that a little bit later with one of our other predictions. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, very good manager, but then ultimately, I think it comes down to quality on the field. And I still think Villa, even though they've added some good signings, I don't think they have the quality on the field. I think Brighton, maybe you could argue in terms of known names. Are in a similar boat, but Brian, it's 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 really the sum of the individuals, um, as a group, because of their style of plays, is you know, great football. It's going to cost them at times the way they play, but as much as I said, Man United could lose to anyone at any time. I think Brighton are the team that could beat anyone at any time. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think uh, they live life on the edge, but high risk, high reward, right? Yeah. Um, no, I think you're right in there. And I think Villa have got to do some business before the end, losing Mings, I think, to an ACL injury and Bondi has both gone injured. That's two key players for them. Uh, I think there's talks of Harry Maguire maybe now going to Aston Villa. That'll be a, an inter- interesting one to keep an eye on. So my question too is, we've both, neither of us have had have got Tottenham in our top seven. Before Harry Kane was sold, would he have been in your top seven? Yeah, I think... With Kane, you're looking at top seven, guaranteed. I think without Kane, I'm not trusting Ricardo scoring those goals. No, I'm not. Um, maybe they can find some replacements before the end of the window. I'm not really sure who's available. Surely he's got to spend some money. Well, my other point would be like, and maybe this is just um, one of those moments where you look back in previous years and just think that they were better than the current time, but how many top, top strikers are there playing right now? Not just in the Premier League, but outside the Premier League. You know, we talked about Jesus isn't, I don't think, one of those elite strikers. You have Haaland, you have Kane. Oh, you did have Kane in the Premier League, but outside of... Who are the next kind of top five strikers? Yeah, it's it's definitely... I don't think... I think when we kind of grew up in like the the nineties, early two thousands, I think there was abundance, right, of strikers. Every team had a top striker, um, but I think now it's hard to look at, right? I mean, you look at you look at the teams like outside of that top six, seven. I don't really see a, a top striker in there that could go and sign for a top team. Like our city looking at any top strikers in the Premier League, no, or Arsenal, no, not really. Like they're looking abroad, which. Does that say that maybe in England they're not producing the the strikers that we're we're looking for? Who knows? Maybe that's uh, one for a future podcast. We can look at who who are the best strikers, maybe in the Premier League, but also in the world right now. Because even in my top four that I've got finishing there, you've got City with Haaland, obviously. Arsenal, Jesus, a good striker. I wouldn't put in the elite category. And he's always injured. Chelsea, you know, there's a lot of hope, I think, around Jackson. Um, Nicholas Jackson, and I think I mean, I saw a little bit of him pre season and I was impressed. Uh, yeah, he looked good, although it's pre season, right? So I don't want to put too much into that. And then Newcastle, they wouldn't, you know, I would say about Newcastle with, with Isak, they have the top player there, but United, 
Well, they've got, you know, Hoyland, who knows? Liverpool, Darwin Nunes, I think, will become a great striker. But, right, you know, if you look at past in last season, he's not in that elite category at all. Well, Liverpool um, done me dirty in my fantasy team. I had Nunes to start. I, I, from the things I heard and read, he was doing great in pre-season. I was ready for him to start the weekend, and then he uh, he dropped him and was on the bench. Hmm. Yeah, and people might argue, you know, Ollie Watkins, certainly for me, not in that top elite category. So, yeah, interesting one. All right, so now let's flip it. Let's look at the bottom end of the table. Uh, nobody nobody likes to be relegated. Nobody really likes to talk about it. But uh, I think for me, I think there's a clear favourite for 20th place. I, I hate to say it. They're the, for me, they're the, the success story that we all love to hear about. But for me, Luton aren't staying up. So I have Luton going down, but I actually have Sheffield United finishing bottom. I think you could be right. I think I was reading up a little bit about Sheffield United and they've sold a few of their key players and they haven't brought in much talent, have they? Well, they've sold their best player. They've sold some of their key players and they've also, compared to last season, lost a lot of players that they had out on loan. Um, so, you know, I, I spoke to a Sheffield United fan who thinks that their team is weaker now going into the Premier League season than it was last season in the Championship. Um, And I don't think financially they're in a great position. Um, It sounds a lot like getting promoted kind of saved them from some serious financial problems. Um, So, yeah, I can't see them having enough to stay up. I've got Sheffield United finishing in last position. I've got Luton just finishing ahead of them. I think they'll pick up a few points at home. So here's one for you. I think I think it was the 07, 08 season. Derby got relegated to the least amount of points on 11 points. Are we going to see Sheffield United lower than that, or do you think they're going to be just above it? I think they'll I think they'll get to you know 14, 15, 16 points. I think they'll get I think they'll get more than 15. I I just think you know they've got there's some games that they can pick up some points from. I think the bottom half of the league isn't. As much as I would say the top half of the league is as strong as I remember, if you think about like, like the top eight teams or so, yeah. I think there are some points up for grabs at the bottom. Uh, the other team I have going down as well are Nottingham Forest. So you've got Luton, Luton, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. So I think we can uh, we can have a beer on that one because we've both got the same. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I had I was toying between Forest and a couple of the others, but I think Forest survived by the skin of their teeth last year. Um, I think they got lucky with a few bits. But saying that, when we watched them, I watched them at the weekend. Uh, who did they play? They've done all right. Who did Forest play this weekend? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, they played Arsenal. That was it. They played Arsenal Saturday morning. Um, and although Arsenal were comfortable 2-0 up, I think when I think Anthony Alanga came on um, and had a great assist for them to score. But no, I don't think they'll have enough. I think I think they've got a good manager on their hands, but I think as a whole, I don't think their squad's good enough to stay up. But talking about Sheffield United, I think you being a Huddersfield fan, you've had the joys of going up to the Premier League, but you've also had the chance of being in the Championship for quite a while. As a championship fan, would you rather your team continue in the championship, have a run for playoffs and have a really good season where you're winning games or be in the Premier League against top teams and getting smacked every weekend? 
Uh, well, it was an easy answer when you were a Huddersfield fan. It was being the Premier League because it was unexpected. It was um, something we hadn't been in the top. We'd never been in the, you know, we've been a long time since we've been in that top division. Um, so it was a chance to play against and also for fans to see the best players in the world every week. And then the fact that we managed to stay up for one season before getting relegated again was a was an added bonus to that. And obviously, financially, it helped the club a lot as well. So, uh, yeah, I would always rather play in the Premier League, and it'd be a struggle results wise than than being the champ. I think that's a kind of a poor mentality to rather be winning in the Championship than losing in the Premier League. Um, I'm sure it's frustrating for some of the teams that are kind of yo-yoing up and down a lot. I'm sure their fans would like to see them get more investment to try and make a real good run of staying up, but it's just so hard to... Yeah, no one, no so one wants to be in Norwich and go up and down, up and down, up and down. There's no fun in that. Well, you know, I guess it keeps it entertaining and exciting, but um, it's hard to compete with the big boys, but at the same time, the championship is so hard to get out of. Um, which is why I think Burnley was so impressive, the way they kind of really dominated the league. That's and the way they changed their it. style as well, from Sean Dice to Vincent Company. I think you've gone from that direct style, right, to that possession that he's had under Guardiola. I think uh, I think they're going to excite some teams, um, some fans this year. Yes, that's partly why I've got Burnley staying up. Wolverhampton Wanderers, I was very close to putting them in the bottom three. They were probably going to be in my bottom three on the, until I saw them play against Man United and caused them a lot of problems. Everton, I'm kind of like... I'm yeah. over them now. They need to go down. They um, almost, yeah. they, they're almost one of those that it's like a naughty kid. They almost need a bit of punishment to kind of realise what they're doing and then come back up. I mean, they've been toying with death for the last few seasons. Get them down, get them punished, get them back up, and then they can come back up for a little bit longer. If I, if someone said to me, you get to choose which three teams go down, Everton would be in those bottom three just because I, you know, I'm tired of hearing the old thing of, you know, we're too big to to go down and not be in the Premier League. That's not that's not an answer. No one's too big to go down. If you're not performing on the field, you go down. Uh, and West Ham, I think, could get dragged into a relegation battle again. Yeah, no, I, I agree on all of that. Um, I want to switch it now from teams to, to individual players. Um, obviously, we've got Erling Haaland who is probably out there as the best player in the Premier League with your likes of De Bruyne's and Odegaard and people like that. But who do we? Who do you think might be uh, your player of the season that kind of might be a little bit underrated? Uh, so, I mean, it's hard to kind of move away from Haaland being top goal scorer and winning player of the year. But if I was going to go outside of that... Um, I, I toy with uh, the idea of Bruno Fernandes. I, you know, as much as I have a little bit of a soft spot for Man United because I have family who support them, um, it, he, it, like, his actions on the field, his personality infuriates me. But when it, when you start looking at the stats of the just amount of chances he creates, it might come down to what Hoyland does and if he can put the chances away, but he could potentially rack up a lot of goals and, and, and assists. And um, and kind of move himself into that comparison with De Bruyne. Right now, I think he's slightly behind him. I think this season he could kind of say 
yeah, I'm, I'm just as good as him. Um, so I've got him, I've got Isak. I think he's going to score a lot of goals. Um, and then in terms of like a breakthrough player, someone who, you know, might, you know, com- compared to like the big names from last season, a new name that I think could potentially come up uh, would be Al Pedro from Brighton. I think you've been reading my notes because we have the same notes here. I think I've said Isaac for player of the season and Jai uh, Pedro coming in as uh, the breakout player. So probably neither of those things will happen then. Yeah, we're either really smart people or we have no idea what we're talking about. I'm probably going to go for the, the second part of that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think, think he looks good, though. I think he, uh, in the few games, he won the penalty at the weekend and I saw him uh, in pre-season over in the States. So I, uh, I think he's exciting. I uh, And I think the way Brighton play, I think I think him and uh, Danny Wilbert were the, the two up top and they were kind of buzzing around each other. And I, uh, I think he done well in the championship. I didn't follow him too close in the championship. Um, maybe you did, but I think he, uh, I think he might be a surprising player that we might see. He's definitely in my fantasy team. Yeah, and the, and the one who I don't think it would be a surprise that he has a great season, but someone who can really kind of put himself in that kind of elite bracket, world class bracket, if you like, is Saka. I think he just continues to get better and better all the time. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of Saka. I think kind of what he came through after he missed that pen and all the abuse he received, he's definitely come through and got stronger. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting come May when we kind of look back at this and, and see how right or wrong we are. Um, so then if that's our player of the season, who, who are you now predicting as uh, manager of the year? Maybe not so much their winning manager of the year, but who is the, your opinion of who should be manager of the year? Um, I think um, I, I think I, you'll put Eddie Howe up there. Um, it, between me, for me, it's going to be between Eddie Howe if Newcastle get into top four, finish fourth or third. Um, again, you got to put him in there, and then the other one would be Roberto Roberto uh, De Zerbi. Um, not just because I think they'll get the results, but I also think the style of play. And then also just his ability to improve players, right? Just to pick up these players. And and not just young players, but older players too. Like if you look at someone like Danny Welbeck, who kind of almost reinvented himself at Brighton. Um we should never have let him go. Van Al made a big mistake. We he he is a goal scorer. Uh, yeah, but I don't know how many Man United, Man United fans were saying that when he when he did leave. True. Um, so yeah, I think I would probably go out the two deserve it. So I had I had Unai Emery first, but I've moment to go I screwed him out, and I've actually changed it to Vincent Company. I think if Burnley can come back into the Premier League and play the style of football that they were playing in the Championship, I think they are going to impress a lot of people. There is going to come that is going to come with some losses, but I think. Watching them play, if they can play the some really attractive, entertaining football that Burnley fans probably aren't used to seeing prior to company, um, he could be uh, a surprising manager of the season. And I would probably put money on it. Then when Guardiola leaves, and I know City fans are praying that never happens, but when Guardiola leaves, I think it's company's job. Um, I think it is company's job. To 
lose potentially, and maybe that's why he he wants to play a certain style because he has to prove that he can take that uh, job and continue a certain style of soccer. But then I also think like that's when someone like Deserve has his name in the hat. Yeah, it's one of those though. I think you've got that criteria of managers like the Eddie Howes or Deserve and people like that that the media back home are so quick to jump on it that if they have a run of bad games, they can be out the door straight away. Um, and I think that kind of brings us on to our, our last prediction of the season. Who is, unfortunately, we never like to see anyone lose their job, but who is the first person, the first manager in the Prem to be sacked? Um, so the first thing I would say is I, I think there's going to be less sackings this year than last year, which I think was a new record the amount of teams uh, managers being sacked and I don't think there's going to be any sackings until I don't think there'll be anyone anyone will get sacked in 2023 obviously the Wolves manager left of his own accord this was a bit of a a cheap way out I think but um, the first person I think that will get sacked will be David Moyes well, so I was actually looking at this and he is actually the favourite uh, four to okay. one to be sacked this season. Um, I've actually picked the second favourite, Paul Heckenbottom. I think Sheffield United are going to panic. I think it's going to get to the October time. They haven't picked up many points. I think you saw it last, well, when they were back in the Prem, right? Chris Wilder was doing a fantastic job, lost a few games and they crumbled. They He took over. Um but I think you can flip a coin right between Paul Heckenbottom and, and David Moyes. It just well, seems the only thing I would say about Paul Heckenbottom is what does Sheffield United expect? Like what are they expecting to happen this season? If they're what if it gets to December and they're bottom of the league, that's not a surprise to anyone. They haven't backed the manager, they haven't spent money, they've lost their best players. You know, I think there's also got to be some realism of and I get it, like, you know, it's worth so much money to try and stay up in the Premier League. Maybe changing the manager gives you some hope, but um, if you're not going to give him the tools and the, the players to ha- even attempt to stay up, then then it seems harsh to fire him. Yeah, but you know how fans are and they're going to get on it. If they, if they go and lose five games in a row, the fans aren't going to want that and the fans are going to start booing and the players are going to start turning. Um it's a brutal business, um, but yeah, I think I think you actually might be right in terms of this might be a smaller amount of seconds this year. I think the managers that are in place and at least the top ten teams, like I can't see Tottenham sacking uh, no. Big Ange. I can't see any of the top four sacking their managers. Um, so yeah, you could be right, but again, I'm I'm kind of getting tired of the the manager merry-go-round. It seems like it's the same managers every year coming in, coming out, coming in, coming out. I kind yeah, of that... wanted to see a new Crystal Palace manager just to change it, but <laughs> Super Roy Hodgson, he seems uh, he seems like he's he knows what he's doing. He was even up for a scrap at the weekend. Did you see that? Well, yeah. <laughs> well he's got to be careful, but uh, I just feel like the bottom of teams too, the managers have done enough to to be owed a little bit of loyalty, right? You look at like a Luton and a Sheffield United who've done incredibly well to get to where they are. They've they've bought themselves some time as managers, even if things don't go well. Sure. Same at Forest, you know, staying up last year with all the changes that happened, even going up in the first place was unexpected. Obviously, as a Huddersfield fan, I have some thoughts about that game in the playoff final, but that was a argue decision. Them, uh, yeah, 
But, you know, to do well last season, you buy yourself a little bit more time if things go start going south this season, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a, a lot less sackings, hopefully, a lot less sackings this year than last. Fingers crossed. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I think we're, we're good of our predictions. Um, as we said at the start of this episode, each week is going to be slightly different. This week was our predictions. Some weeks we're going to try and bring guests onto, onto this new podcast. Uh, myself and Jack have spoken probably for the last 12 to 18 months that let's start a podcast. Nah, let's not do it. Let's start it. So we finally bit the bullet this week. Um, this is episode one of the podcast. Um, we want to, to get it out there. And at the end of the day, we are, we are just, two football fans that just kind of sharing our opinions. Um, and yeah, we just want to kind of get our opinions out there, hear your opinions. Um, as of today, we have actually started a Gmail account. Um, it is pitchside perspective podcast at gmail.com. So if you are listening and you do want to give in any feedback, we are open to it. Um, but Jack, any last words to finish out? Um, no. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed talking to you as always. By all means, I'm sure people are going to have lots of disagreements with our predictions and ideas. Uh, and also, if anyone has any beer suggestions, we'll always be having a beer whilst we have a chat. So send those in too. Yeah, hundred percent. We're uh, we're always open to experiment with a different beer. Um, again, I've gone for the one of my own stew brews that I brewed over the summer. Jack, what was your uh, your one again? Uh, mine was the Victory Brewery. It was the Motel Paloma, which is a limited seat. Uh, I think it's limited just for the summer. Um, but Victory Brewery in uh, in PA, down in town, Philadelphia area. Um, all, lots and lots of good beers from those guys. Brilliant. Well, this is episode one of the uh, Pitchside Perspective podcast. We hope you enjoy the games this weekend. Um, please like and uh, subscribe to this podcast the more we can get the more we can grow this podcast and with that we bid you a farewell Mm -hmm.